Hello and welcome to Legal Perk. I'm Zane Shankiti, and today in our business breakdown episode, we'll be talking about the breakdown of Wirecard. Many people might be unaware of what Wirecard is and what services it provides. Wirecard was a German payment processing company that provided software for online payments and fraud prevention systems. In practice, what this means is that when a customer would purchase something, for instance online, a customer's credit or debit card details would be collected by Wirecard, which would then be the intermediary between the issuing banks of the credit or debit cards and collecting that money from the bank account and delivering it to the merchant or the person that the customer is buying from. Part of the modus operandi of Wirecard was a promise of evolving to a cashless society. The company claimed that it had some of the best technology, which it claimed was constantly advancing, around payment processing to allow it to grow much faster and be more profitable than its competitors in the industry. And the company was growing significantly and quickly around the world. Wirecard joined the Frankfurt Stock Exchange in 2005 as a little-known startup, and eventually surpassed Deutsche Bank, Germany's largest bank in value, and attracted significant investors such as SoftBank. However, the company faced allegations of accounting irregularities over many years, starting as early as 2008, after which the company appointed Ernst & Young, EY, one of the world's biggest accounting firms, to conduct a special audit and later to become the company's chief auditor. A rather troubling pattern emerged, whereby any time Wirecard faced allegations of malpractice, it would aggressively deny those accusations. And German regulators seemed to side with Wirecard, oftentimes investigating the accusers rather than looking into the claims against Wirecard itself. The company seemed to face many allegations and continued to emerge unscathed. As a matter of fact, following the first allegations against Wirecard, German authorities prosecuted two men who stood to benefit from Wirecard's stock performance. Undeterred by these accusations, Wirecard's share price doubled in 2017, after reporting improved revenue streams. When two journalists working for the Financial Times, who had been investigating Wirecard for many years, doubled down in 2019 by writing articles about accusations and allegations of malpractice within the company, the German regulator Boffin filed complaints targeting both of the journalists, as well as several short sellers, after the allegations hit the share price of Wirecard, instead of conducting a full investigation into Wirecard itself, and claimed that the journalists and the short sellers were attempting to manipulate the share price of Wirecard. Some senior analysts believe that the reason that Bafin did not investigate some of these claims as thoroughly as they could have done is because Wirecard was seen as a homegrown German company, that should be protected, especially with Germany's growing reputation as a financial hub. While Baofin denies this, in February of 2019, after Wirecard shares dropped, the financial regulator took an unprecedented move in banning short selling, that is to say, betting against Wirecard shares for two months, which was previously unheard of, citing Wirecard's importance for the economy and the serious threat to market confidence. It must be pointed out that unlike regulators in some other countries, Bafin doesn't actually have the power to bring criminal charges or oversight to investigate potential accounting malpractices, and is therefore not equipped to deal with a payments company like Wirecard. And the regulator, along with European and German central banks, considered Wirecard a technology company rather than a bank, even though Wirecard actually owned a bank. In mid-June of 2020 is when disaster struck for the payment processing company, 
after it was revealed that $2 billion were missing from the company's balance sheets. Wirecard's shares plunged, and a few days later, on June 25th, the company filed for insolvency, citing impending insolvency and over-indebtedness. Since then, many have tried to piece together what really happened at Wirecard. As I previously mentioned, Wirecard's business was to process payments. However, in countries where Wirecard did not have license to operate, it claimed that it worked with other companies in those countries, allowing them to process payments through Wirecard in exchange for a commission. This mainly happened in Singapore, Dubai, and the Philippines. It appears that Wirecard convinced its auditors that it was providing payment processes to its partner companies that existed in countries where Wirecard itself did not have the license to operate, and in return, those companies would provide a commission. However, this commission did not go straight to Wirecard's accounts, even though Wirecard itself owned a bank. Instead, the commission went into escrow accounts. These escrow accounts were reportedly in the Philippines, being overseen by trustees. According to Wirecard, these escrow accounts in the Philippines contained over $2 billion. In 2019, Ernst & Young, the chief auditing company, finally admitted that the documents of the trust accounts in the Philippines were unreliable and that the money did not exist. On the 23rd of June, 2020, the former chairman of the Board of Management, Dr. Marcus Brown, was arrested in Munich, being accused of inflating the value of the company by feigning business with the third-party companies that Wirecard was partnered with. The question remained of whether the money existed at all. Wirecard executives have put forth two theories, one being that the numbers were completely made up to begin with, and that Wirecard was simply trying to inflate its own value to increase the value of its shares. The other theory being that some of the money did exist, but that Wirecard's partners did not, in fact, place the money into the escrow accounts. It seems that this scandal will have very far-reaching consequences, both for fintech companies and for auditors, as well as for the German regulators that all appear to have had major oversights over this case in Wirecard. The case of Wirecard has been deemed the largest case of corporate fraud since Enron, which was another case of accounting fraud in the early 2000s, which had brought into question accounting practices and the activities of corporations in the United States, and led to the dissolution of Arthur Anderson, the accounting firm which had been Enron's main auditor for many years, and which was one of the big five accounting firms, now the big four. Ernst & Young, which has already been gaining a lot of criticism for not noticing the missing $2 billion before, is now in even more trouble because it transpired last week that a whistleblower had told the accounting firm of the fraud four years before the collapse of Wirecard. Wirecard is now being described as the most spectacular case of financial misconduct in post-war German history. But it is quickly becoming a political scandal too, because members of the German government including German Chancellor Angela Merkel, continued to lobby for Wirecard in 2019, despite many doubts having been raised about its accounting practices. And some MPs have expressed incredulity at the fact that the whole crime was uncovered due to relentless journalism from the Financial Times, rather than by the government agencies that are put in place in order to investigate and uncover criminal activity, as well as the fact that when doubts were raised about Wirecard's malpractice, the German regulator decided to investigate the newspaper rather than investigate the company. In the wake of the Wirecard scandal, Germany is now planning to overhaul its financial services regulator, Bafin, after its reputation took a hit. The German finance minister wants to give 
the regulatory body, more control over financial reports, with no distinction between fintech companies and banks. This case will have a major impact on other companies in the fintech sector, especially by eroding the trust that exists both in customers for the services that they used, as well as the trust that regulators appear to have for companies. And in the short term, the most significant change that will likely occur as a direct result of the Wirecard scandal is likely going to be an accelerated need for new regulations in the fintech sector in Europe, which will very likely result in more onerous pressure on companies to more thoroughly investigate fraud and money laundering, which could come at an extra cost. Another impact of the scandal will likely be a change in the regulation of consulting and auditing companies too. As I previously mentioned, after the Enron scandal, the accounting firm Arthur Anderson was dissolved. Many questions were raised about how Ernst & Young failed to notice a $2 billion hole in the balance sheets of Wirecard. According to CNBC, critics believe that accounting firms may sometimes avoid properly scrutinizing their clients' accounts because this could threaten other work that they do for their clients, such as consultancy work. And while there are already standardized approaches to audits that are meant to ensure that financial statements are fairly stated, the Wirecard scandal could result in more robust regulations in order to avoid a scandal of this magnitude happening again. And with that, I'd like to wrap up this episode. As always, the sources used in the research for this podcast will be linked in the show notes below. If you enjoyed this episode or this podcast in general, please leave us a star review on Apple Podcasts. If you're interested in updates about Legal Perk, please follow our social media accounts. That's Legal Perk on LinkedIn and Facebook and Legal Perk underscore on Instagram and Twitter. If you have any comments or suggestions for topics you would like us to cover, please email us on legalperk at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.